Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you're here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour opens a door for you and helps you move forward. In August of 2012, Today's guest experienced her life and the universe from another perspective because she had a collision. She hit a rock wall and she fell into a crevasse while she was biking in the mountains. Forced to sit and be still, Stephanie Banks began to put the words that she was hearing in the pages of her journal. And she's chronicled this experience in her new book, A Soulful Awakening. She's here to encourage us to re-examine our approach to life. Are you ready to meet her? Stephanie Banks has dedicated her life to mastering ancient wisdom, and in her new book, A Soulful Awakening, she writes candidly about all that she's learning through this process. Her connection to the non-physical realm offers guidance and transformation to those who seek profound insight into our existence. She lives with her family in British Columbia, and you can find out more about Stephanie and her work at stephaniebanks.org. Stephanie, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thanks, Karen. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, I guess not be here, but be talking with you today. Oh, but see, that's that time and distance is no barrier to energy. When you show up, when I show up, and when we join our intention, we are together, right? To, yeah, to good me, point. You know, to me, this is as powerful as if we were sitting across from each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and it feels like we are, so it's perfect. <laughs> Everything's perfect. It's the magic. It's the magic of radio. What is it? Can you take us to that moment where everything changed for you? What What happened? Sure. Well, there there actually wasn't a specific moment per se um, during the actual mi- mountain biking crash. The awareness of what had transformed within me came a few days later during my recovery and my entire recovery process lasted, uh, well, to be honest, probably close to six months, but it was in the first couple of days that I realized I had come back from that accident, a completely different person than when I had left. And my entire outlook on life had shifted. My, the questions I was asking myself had changed and I discovered through lack of find, being able to find anything else to do because I was so injured, I sat down to write. And and when I sat down to write, I really didn't know what to write about. Um, this was on my second day of recovery. So as I was sitting there in my mind thinking that I was contemplating what to write about, I then realized that I had already been writing and I saw my mother's name, who passed away in 1996, signed at the bottom of what appeared to be a letter that I had just written. So I flipped back to the beginning. It was actually at the end of the book. I wrote from the back to the back to the beginning of the book, which was odd in itself. 
And I realized that I went back and I read this, this, these nine pages and it was a letter that my mom had delivered to me through my own hand. And um, she talked about how my heart had been blocked and now it was open and my connection to the other side was now, um, was now open and clear and I had this amazing connection. And she talked about the fact that the world, our collective consciousness was going or is going through a, a, a very um, intense time of evolution, uh, spiritual evolution, and all sorts of concepts that I had never contemplated or heard of before. So it, that was the start of um, my newfound gift, for lack of a better word, to be able to connect in such um, in such an amazing way to the unseen world. And I woke up every morning with a renewed sense of self and um, and this um, intense passion to write and to ask who was there and what they had to say. And after, you know, many numerous journals, I started sharing this experience with um, those around me and um, sharing these messages. And they were just so profound and uplifting and transformational that I decided uh, at some point with my partner that these needed to be shared. They weren't meant to just be sitting in, in my safe, you know, for no one to ever see. And and we compiled the book, A Soulful Awakening, and tried to include as many of of these um, messages as, as we could. So from that, my, my life changed, not necessarily in that moment. However, there was uh, quite an experience that happened in that moment that was brought to my attention later on through these channelings. Do you feel like, because you're this accident, which was um, hitting a, a rock wall, and it sounds like you were, you were making, a, making a jump, right? And, and didn't quite make the jump. Is that what happened? Exactly. Well, to be honest, I'm not a jumper, so I had really no intentions of jumping. I prefer to be on the ground at, most of the time. And, um, but we, we had been mountain biking, um, in Whistler, British Columbia, which is a pretty well-known and, and big, big mountain, lots of terrain, pretty unforgiving. And my husband and my son wanted to return to the section where they could do a jump. And the idea was I would just bypass it and go farther down and take a picture. And on the way down to do that, something came over me and it was like this uncontrollable force or urge and it just sucked me right into one of these jumps and partway into it I thought oh I'll just roll over this jump I don't need to actually jump it because I realized where I was going I knew I was heading towards this jump but what I didn't realize was that there was an eight foot gap between the takeoff and the landing so by the time by the time I was you know too close to stop I saw what was coming before me and I there was not much I could do other than to sail through the air and I slammed into this rock wall on the other side and then fell approximately six to eight feet into a gully below me with the bike landing on top of me. And it was, it was funny because I don't really have any recollection of feeling any pain. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite of that. I, I felt like I was just a big blob of air floating into the into the wall it wasn't I, I didn't really feel an intense impact and I guess what ended up happening later on um, through these channeled messages I decided that 
uh, I wanted to take some of these messages that were coming to me to a friend of mine uh, who has been working in, in this field for 30 some odd years. And I was looking for confirmation in what, in these messages and I just needed to bounce it off of somebody. And while I was there speaking with him, he asked if I'd be interested in trying to see if we could channel um, one, one or two of these guides live while I was in his, in his uh, room. So I agreed, and it was during that live session that it was brought to my attention that um, I had actually died in that crash momentarily as my body lay in the gully, and that I had reunited with one of my guides, um, Ruby was his name, and he I, I floated with him uh, from a different perspective and on the other side, and I was shown my life. Um, both my non-physical life and my life as an internal be- or an eternal being, and I, I guess I chose not to see too much because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to persuade myself to stay there. I wanted to come back into my body and return with this new perspective and awareness, and to be able to share that. So after this live channeling session. Uh, this is what my my husband and and my friend had told me had happened, and I really felt that I wanted to to have something to draw upon myself. So I later I later asked for a written message from Ruby that I could to explain to me to reiterate what he had told my partner and my friend, and so I I did, and I ended up with a very clear message of what actually happened, and and I guess why, that it was actually part of my divine plan before coming here to this lifetime to be woken up at a certain period in my life if I hadn't already done that. So that was my, that was my wake-up call. Mm. Do you feel like there's a connection between trauma to the physical body or illness or injury to the physical body and uh, spiritual awakening? I do. I, that was something that I had never, again, contemplated. So many of these ideas were new to me. But as time went on, I, I started to read what other people were writing about and listen, go and listen to speakers who had experienced um, near-death experiences and, and those kinds of things. And what I realized was there, there seemed to be such a strong connection between trauma and awakening on a certain level. So... Uh, my curiosity got the better of me, and I just sat down one day and asked for for a message on on the connection. And what I was told was that trauma is actually a tool that's been designed by us as a collective consciousness um, to be used when the when the soul uh, aches to reconnect with source energy when we're really at a point where we we need that shake up and and need and need something bigger than you know just picking up a book and that we use trauma as that as that tool and what happens is, is that when trauma builds up in in the body we to release that trauma the quickest and easiest way to do that is through a direct line to source so it's almost as if it's like a pressure valve being released and when that's happening we are so instantly connected in such a clean and crisp 
way to source energy that we have the potential then to really see life from from a from the bigger picture. So I do believe that there's a pretty strong connection between the two. In in my own experience and my own how my own life changed and things happened to bring me to the work that I'm doing now, mine also came through a series of illnesses and surgeries and things. And I was interested to to read in in the book in a soulful awakening about your experience with uh, Lyme disease as well. So you already, you came to this moment where you were at the bottom of the crevasse. You came to this moment coming off of that illness. You hadn't, that hadn't been cleared from you for very long, had it? No, no, I had two, two extremely close calls that year. And the, the first one was in April, uh, middle of April on my birthday, actually, it was my birthday present <laughs> was the Yay. contracting Lyme's disease. So, you know, if you're going to gonna ask for a gift, I guess go for a big one. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up with this Lyme's disease a couple of months before the bike accident. And, and I think that, you know, when I think back on that whole year, there was probably multiple different factors that led to, to this, um, to this awakening and to this unquestionable connection to the other side. And I think it probably all started with, with the Lyme disease. And I did, I did manage to rid myself of the Lyme, which is a pretty amazing feat because it, it's not really a simple thing to do, but I was fortunate and I, I caught it early. And, you know, if, if that disease is left, um, spread into your system on multiple levels, it can become quite detrimental and debilitating. So I'm, I'm fortunate. But one of the things that I had to do throughout that process is I really had to cleanse my body, like really cleanse it. Like I had to get, I basically had to purge my system. And that wasn't from the Lyme disease. It was actually from the antibiotics that I had to take due to the Lyme disease. And to get that out of my system and to get things flowing and working again, I had to cleanse and I basically got rid of all the toxins or at least most of the toxins in my body and my diet since then has had to remain impeccable. So I think that's a good starting point for for people is to recognize that this is our, you know, our body is our vessel, it's our vehicle and without treating it properly as the physical machine that it is, it's more difficult to open up that connection to our higher self and to source and, you know, whatever terminology you choose to use, a good starting point is, is with the body and understanding that connection. You said something about when a soul is hungering for that deeper connection with the divine, and so many of us are. Can we have that awakening and not have to run into the rock wall or have the illnesses or, or go through the surgery? How can we take that need for trauma out so that we can open to that connection just as we are right now? Well, I think that's a place that we're evolving to. And I, I think, you know, it's absolutely possible. I don't think that we have to have something so dramatic and maybe those of us who are taking, you know, taking the more dramatic side and mm-hmm. we're here to, you know, 
we're taking one for the team, I like to say. <laughs> you know, I took one for the team. So now I wrote this book. You guys just learned from the book and you don't have to go and crash into a rock wall. I already did that. So spare yourself the trouble. <laughs> so I think that I think that we're evolving to that point. We have as a as a whole, so I've been told created trauma as this tool to accelerate the process, but by no means does it happen and does it have to happen that way. I think simply being open and following that urge. And like you say, there's so many of us are at that point where we're asking these questions more openly. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Where do I go when I die? All these things that are fundamental questions that lie deep within us are starting to bubble up to the surface and it's becoming more and more acceptable to discuss them and talk about them and, and to know that, we all or most of us at some point are asking these questions and, and wanting to find a deeper connection. So it's really about, it's about the want to do it. You know, it's, it's like if you wanted to quit doing something, you can tell yourself over and over and over that you want to, but it's when you really, really, really know inside that that's what you, that's what you are, are craving and that nothing will stop you from getting there. I think that's when you just tap into that and then you just, start following your your interests and they'll lead you down down the right path to help you awaken and that at least as i experienced it that road to awakening has many branches has many choices and i think from just from what i see in my work there are places where we can choose to really live into that trauma choose to make it more dramatic and there are also times in which we can choose to step it back a little bit have a gentler experience, be gentler on ourselves, maybe so that but because of how I am, and I'm really stubborn, I think I had to have the trauma. Um, because it was the only way that they could get my attention <laughs> mm-hmm. was to make me lie down, <laughs> just be quiet and yeah. lie down. Um, um, but I think that the, the path of awakening has so many choices, there's so much that goes into our shift. And even after we've awakened, there's so much that goes into where are we going to take that? What are we going to do with that? How do I now use my gift in an unfolding way? And that's what I see you doing with this book is, is giving messages. That's the unfolding of your gift. It's not just that moment of impact. It's now an ongoing moment that impacts many lives. Exactly. And, and including my own, you know, I, I may have all had a pretty initial, um, initially it was a, a a pretty big jolt and it's, it was like starting the engine, but I'm not going to go anywhere unless I keep fuel in it and, and keep it going and maintain it. So really the messages were just a starting point. I could have just written these messages, you know, kept my journal, put them on the shelf and carried on my, my way and not giving them another thought, but because they were striking me in, in such a, a deep manner, and um, I was just so enthralled and engaged in the insight that was being delivered. I just, I couldn't help myself but to start implementing ideas and concepts and start interacting with the world around me differently. And it took a lot of work. It's, it's, there's a lot of bad habits that we have that need to be broken. And, and um, our perspective on life needs to change and our perspective on ourselves and how we love ourselves, how we love other people. Is it a surface love? Is it 
you know, or is it a really deep soul love with that's unconditional? How often do we judge people? Like I couldn't believe how often I was judging people, not outwardly, but inwardly to myself and just little things, you know, I'd see somebody wearing something that I didn't really like. And I heard my, in my mind, the thoughts I was having about those things and, and how I would deal with my, my son, if I was getting agitated or, you know, irritated with the, with his behavior or just all these things that, that generally speaking, we just don't really see in ourselves because it's just a habit and it's how we are. And, and how often do we say that? It's just how I am. Well, is it, is that really just how you are or is there another way that you can possibly be? So for me, it's an ongoing process, um, but it's so magical and it, and it's just changed my life in so many amazing ways. And through the book, I'm, you know, I'm just giving it out there to people to draw from the way I have and to start looking at our experiences in life just a little bit differently and, and through that, it's amazing the shifts and the transformations that can occur. Have you ever, or did you in the beginning, ever doubt the messages that came through or have questions about the source of those messages? Uh, yeah, well, I guess in a different sort of way. I didn't really doubt them. There was really no doubt. What I was, what I was more interested in was how it was happening. Where are they coming from? Is this just my higher self that I'm tapping into? Is this just me speaking through myself? And if it is, wow, I'm. I have a lot of interesting things to say that I didn't know <laughs> I had to say. And but it just, it didn't sound like me, and there was nothing in it that that resembled my words or my thoughts and and all these kinds of things. And there, but I was constantly looking for affirmations and, and confirmation. And I would, um, there's a couple of different things that I did to start investigating my own writing. And, um, one of the, one of the things that was, a, was a real confirmation to me was that all of the writing when I, when I'm writing and channeling these guides, they're all slightly different in the way they write the way or print. Um, and depending on if they're writing or printing, that guide will always, it'll always be the same. And some of them have the most beautiful, amazing handwriting, like exquisite handwriting. And I, as a child, didn't learn how to write because we moved um, from one end of the country to the other. And when we moved, my grade had already learned how to write. So I'm a horrible writer. I never choose to do it because nobody would be able to read it. But these messages were just most beautiful writing. And, um, and then the other thing I did is I started reading what other people were writing, people that had been in this field. And I had never heard of Wayne Dyer, believe it or not. I had never heard of Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> I was pretty green to the whole spiritual um, world out there. And one of the first books that I, I picked up just sort of jumped out of the shelf, out of the shelf um, at the library, and it was a Gary Zukoff book. And I, I read it, and within a couple of days, I, I finished this book. And the thing that amazed me the most is that the things he was writing about were pretty much identical to these messages I was getting. And literally, I could have taken some of the stuff I was writing and 
implanted it into his book anywhere and vice versa, and it would have still continued to flow. So I just, I just felt like this is just so natural and normal and authentic. And then, of course, doing messages for other people, um, specific, specifically from people that had passed on um, that delivered messages to some friends of mine. And it, it was just so life-changing for them that eventually I just stopped questioning myself and, and really lived what I was being told was to have faith and trust in myself and in the universe and to just let it happen. Mm. And it's, I'm seeing that we're up against the break at the bottom of the hour, but when we come back, I want to ask you about, to talk a little bit about kind of coming out of the closet as a channel about going public, publishing the book. And especially in the, in the town that you live in, you share some very personal memories just to talk a little bit about how you do need to have faith to do that. You do need to have courage to do that. That takes a, a lot of a lot of guts. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and my guest is Stephanie Banks. Her new book is A Soulful Awakening, and it is the story of her life-changing discovery of her ability to channel and the messages that she brings through from her guides. We'll be right back with Stephanie after this. are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Where I've been Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg! Ha ha! I win! Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! <laughs> What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! <laughs> what? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! <laughs> people shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? <laughs> because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? <laughs> what? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? 
Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called InventNow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and we're talking with Stephanie Banks. Her new book is A Soulful Awakening, One Woman's Journey from Life to Death to a Soulful Awakening. You can find out more about Stephanie and her work at stephaniebanks.org. And of course, I always welcome your feedback about this show. What do you think of what you're hearing? What questions would you like to put to your own guides and see if you could receive a channeled response. You can always connect with me. Let me know what you think at KarenHager.com. Now, Stephanie, before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about the courage that it takes to stand behind what you say, to stand in your truth, to deliver the messages as they're being given. And I certainly know this from my own place. I really thought when I started this, that people were going to think I was nuts. And there may possibly be people who do think I'm nuts and possibly I am nuts, but that I had to get over that fear of what other people might think and just give the messages that I was receiving. Have you had that same, were you worried that people would think you were nuts? I was, of course. Yeah, I was definitely, I had, I had my own fears um, behind what was happening throughout different stages. And at first it was, just coming out and telling people simply that I had been channeling these messages. The only people that I discussed um, any of it with really were my husband and my son for, for quite a few months. And then, uh, and then eventually I just was so excited about the information that I was receiving that I decided to just put it out there with the people that I trust and, and love and, and so what I did is I started going back to work just um, basically to socialize because I, I couldn't possibly be, be paid for what I was doing. But I'm fortunate that I'm uh, a business owner, so I was able to go and be with my crews and, and, um, and talk to them and read some of these messages. And it was pretty funny, actually, because I have a landscape company and I have about 25 employees at any given time. And while they would be hustling around the yard, getting organized for the day, I would literally be running behind them with a journal reading, <laughs> reading to them and going on trips with them to pick up gravel and, you know, all sorts of stuff and, and taking the time to read to them. And it was being so uh, well um, accepted 
by them that I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to branch out. So I started talking to other people. And what I realized was that, that everybody around me was thankful that somebody was talking to them about these things. They didn't have other people to, to discuss it with. And they were relieved that there was somebody that they could actually open up to. So that really opened up a door for me. And, and then when it came time to release the book, I was completely fine with releasing it everywhere in the world, but I was pretty apprehensive about releasing it here in my, in my city. And I had to really sit back and ask myself, what, what am I afraid of? Why am I so worried about having this story being known to my home, to my hometown, to my community? And what it came down to was just my, my own assumptions that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be accepted. And like you said, that people would think I was crazy. I'm, I'm known as, you know, Stephanie Banks, the landscape owner who has Carhartts on and a pruning saw in her pocket at any given time, not the girl who died and spent time with her, her guardian and came back with this new mission. So I was, I, I, I was worried. All the fears were my own and the opposite to what I expected has happened. It's been an amazing, it's been amazing for our, for, for myself, for my community, for my, my friends. And once I, once I addressed those fears, then everything just fell right into, into place. And that's one of the things that I, I really, I'm such a strong proponent of um, is to help people recognize what their, what their fears are. Oftentimes they don't think we even know what they are. We just, um, we just sort of close up and decide, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not good enough or, or that scares me. And well, what is it that scares you? And once you really start defining what those fears are, it's easier to break through that barrier and, and to feel empowered within yourself to step out and, and to do something that you may not have simply because you're worried about what people may think, think about you. The, the truth is incredibly powerful. And I, feel like part of our branching path of awakening is consistently choosing truth. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a huge thing, being honest with ourselves and really redefining ourselves to ourselves. Because I think so often we, we are raised in a certain way and, you know, our, our parents are teaching us our, and oftentimes very well-meaning individuals are um, putting their own thoughts and beliefs onto us, which oftentimes was put onto them. And we sort of start carrying all these belief systems and possibly habits that aren't our own. And, and then when we take the time to start to get to know ourselves truthfully, then we can really get to a place where transformation can occur and, and we can really shift to a, a better place of understanding ourselves, what makes us happy, what, what things um, do, I, do I love to do the most and why am I not doing those things? And when we start asking these questions, we become more aligned with ourselves and when we become more aligned with who we really are, then we can really start being of service to other people. Until we get to that point within ourselves, we're not doing anyone else any favors because we're not being honest with ourselves as to who we really are. 
I know you believe that the service to others is a is a key part of, as you said, we are evolving, and that our understanding of our own connection, our um, desire to is not even the right word, our kind of responsibility to be of service to others is enormous. How, through the messages you've received, how are we called to be of service? How can we step more into that connection? I think just by recognizing the simple fact that we are all one, that you and I, for example, are an extension of each other and everybody else in the world, we're all connected. Our roots are drawing from the same source. Everything's a reflection. And when we start looking at at life in that manner, it becomes just a natural state to, to strive to help other people around you as opposed to getting stuck in this world that is so individualized. And I think especially in North America where we actually pride ourselves on being independent and strong and self-reliant is actually severing our own roots from each other. It's an old paradigm that I think hopefully is dropping to the wayside and we are shifting into a state where we're becoming more communal and respectful of one another and I, I know that when you look around, look at the world around us, it may not appear that way, but I'm really trying to focus all my energy in that direction. And I think as a whole, the more of us that do that, the quicker we'll, we'll all get to that place. And, and really, it's, it's about not judging people, you know, not judging the guy on the corner or the girl on the corner who's asking for money because they don't have the job at this particular time. You know, we don't know what their life has been like. We have no idea what their circumstances is like. Is it really that big of a deal to go in and buy them a sandwich or give them a dollar or two to help them out? Um, helping somebody in the grocery store that that needs some help. Oftentimes we just walk by opportunities that are there for us to serve other people and we don't. they don't have to be huge, gigantic things that take up hours and hours and all of our money. They're just simple little acts throughout the course of everyday life that, that we can do. And when we do that, it actually releases serotonin and, and, and makes us happier. I mean, I'm sure all of us can relate to that. When you do something completely out of the normal um, and something, when you give something with zero expectations for something in return, that feeling is just such an amazing feeling. And I, I really hope we're getting to the place where we do that more often. And that feeling can be uh, beautiful and it can be a, a bit addictive in a, in a good way, right? That the joy of, even if you were maybe afraid to do something to help or think other people might judge you if you do something to help, help or the way you speak your truth, all of those things are part of that branching path of awakening. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it can be quite addictive. And as an example, our 12-year-old son, uh, and I think this is a beautiful example of how we can teach through example. Our son, all of a sudden, you know, he every time he turns around and he sees somebody um, in need, he's digging into his own pocket or he's filtering through my cup holder in my car and asking me to pull over and he'll jump out and, you know, give to anyone that's looking like they need something and and it's such a such a it's so heartwarming to see that coming from a 12-year-old 
that lives in North America where he has everything he could really ever imagine or, or need. And, and the more that we can share these things by doing it, the better an example that we're, we're giving to those around us. Do you feel, Stephanie, like we all have access to guides? We may not all experience it, I know, in the, in the way that you do, but do we all have that kind of access? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just a regular everyday person, just like everybody else. And, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, a master philosopher. I'm, I'm none of these things by definition, yet I'm all of them at the same time. And that's the truth for all of us. We are equal on, on every level, no matter what our circumstances. And I think that the more people remind themselves of that, the the quicker they'll move through their own enlightenment. And and if it means verbalizing that to yourself daily, I am I am love, I am light, I am amazing, I'm I went through this. I had to do this myself. I and and it's not that I was you know, I I've always been a fairly confident person. Yet one of the things that I realized was how negative I could be in my own mind and the repetitive thoughts that I was having, I literally had to start changing those verbally out loud. And what I would do is I would take affirmations that I had been given um, out of the back of the book. There's a few pages of them in the back of the book. And I've used all of those over and over and over. Now I'm at the point where I don't really need them, but it's about changing your thought patterns and, 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 and changing how you feel about yourself. How could someone listening open up to get in touch with their guides? What would you suggest for them? Well, the first thing I would suggest doing is sitting quietly for an extended period of time and simply asking and see what happens. I think a big part of what happened with me was the fact that I had to sit. And the only thing that would force me to sit still at that time in my life was something so tragic as that accident. I had no choice but to sit. And for most of us, we live in such a fast-paced, hectic life that we don't take the time to nurture our soul and to take the time and sit in silence and listen to what's going on around us and to get back into nature and really experience the amount of energy that that is around us. And, you know, for there's so many different forms of channeling. You, you could sit and try writing and just asking and see what comes up. You could go for a hike and sit on the top of a mountain and be very still and communicate. And that's something that I've really learned is that our guides will, for the most part, they're, they want to be, um, they want to be introduced. They want to be asked to come into our life and to be, they're always supporting us, but for real contact, it's putting it out there and asking them to be there. And, and for people to realize that when you're in a state of elation where you're doing something that you're, you're not thinking about anything else, you're just engrossed in what you're doing, that's a real state of meditation and, and channeling and alignment and to not get caught up on, on seeing entities or beings or hearing them speak or, or 
written messages. There's so many different forms that people could look for, but I encourage everyone to think about what they're putting into their body, clean it up a little bit, and to take time out of your day daily to sit quietly and rest your mind and get back to your soul. One of the things I found very moving in the book was where you were discussing your high school experience in a very um, strict uh, Christian school and some of the ways in which the um, students at that school were often kind of manipulated and judged and forced to do things that maybe they wouldn't have done on their own. Did that kind of programming affect you as then you went through these changes in your life and came into being this very strong, confident, spiritually integrated person who you are now? I think it did. And and that's something that I've contemplated quite a bit throughout the course of my life because that was such an integral part of my, of my childhood. I was only in, you know, I was in, I think grade 10 and 11 and, and I go into quite a bit of detail in the book about that particular experience. And at first, I think it may have been a setback um, just by being exposed to not knowing how to deal with that kind of uh, fear-based tactics to get the students to do what they wanted. And there was no such thing as free choice or freedom of expression. Um, That school is actually part of one of the largest class action suits in Canadian history. There was a lot of damage done. Um, through through the ways in which that school operated, yet I had I also had very supportive parents, and um, I was able to be open with them and communicate to them what was happening. And through that experience, I I became a stronger person because I was also part of a, a bike team on at that school, and I was so determined to stick with that team that. I actually chose to go back to the school and to really challenge myself to be able to appear like I was doing what they wanted me to do um, in order to survive. And that's not a really proactive or positive way of living a life, especially when you're, you're young and vulnerable like that. But it did enable me to build a certain amount of um, strength of character that I've been able to carry with me. And through that experience, I can now look back on it as I do in the book and apply the messages on ego and judgment and manipulation. And I've been able to learn from, from that experience and now to hopefully share with others how to approach and how to recognize those kind of tactics when they're being forced upon us and really how to navigate and work your way way through them. And that was just one experience in, in my life that I wouldn't change at this point, although at the time I would have changed it in a heartbeat. But that's just how life is. And really in the book, A Soulful Awakening, I'm, I've accounted, recounted my own experiences, yet the purpose of the book is to... Um, really try to encourage people to insert their own stories that that they that come up as they're reading my stories, and then be able to 
read through the messages from the other side and apply them to their own stories and find healing and transformation and a new perspective and outlook. And that's what I did, especially with this particular school. Can you say a little bit about the guides who you are channeling? Because as you say, they're very different, different handwriting, different styles. And as you read the book, you'll see that the kind of the tone, the voice is different for each guide. Uh, Are they... Uh, some feel to me to be people who've had uh, physical incarnations, right? Who then have passed over and become guides. Are others, are some higher beings and some not? Can you say a little bit about your team? I'm getting, I'm getting the impression as time goes on that there is, there, there appear to be some guides who, from our linear perspective, would be higher up the ladder, so to speak. But when you're in the non-physical realm, that kind of hierarchy doesn't, doesn't exist. It's, 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 it just doesn't exist. It's simple. Here, for us to understand things in a linear fashion, then I would say, yes, some of these guides seem to have been around for a very, very long time and have an immense amount of knowledge and wisdom to share the underlying theme, though, is that they are all extremely loving, supportive. I've yet to experience anything even verging on, on negative. It, it's just coming from such a place of pure divinity and kindness. And all of the guides, like you say, have their own persona. And when I'm channel, channeling them, I oftentimes know right away who that is now I'm getting to know handwriting and that sort of thing but it's more of an energetic feeling that I'm receiving and some of them are really quite funny which I find funny (laughs) there's there's humor and it's it's a relationship it's it's them relating to us and and that's how we relate in our physical reality and it comes through in in the same fashion and when I'm and I some some of these guys I've asked for descriptions of them from past lives. You know, have you been incarnated here on Earth? What was your your role? Who were you? Um, oftentimes, there's multiple, multiple, multiple lifetimes, and it would it would take me many lifetimes just to find out their history. But it is pretty fun and fascinating to hear s- certain aspects of lifetimes when when they were here and and some like my my mom for example and my grandfather both of them are around me all the time and when i sit in and channel with them and that's my form of communication with them um i've been told that they don't plan on going anywhere for a while they're in the non-physical realm and at some point when they're ready they'll reincarnate if they choose but there's always a choice and you know, just knowing that when somebody passes away and, and moves on, they're they're still there, they're still around us and um our relationship with them just changes and it's a matter of wrapping our, our minds around that and um really understanding that life goes on. And what, I think one of the you know, the most beautiful lines that I've ever received is death of the physical body is necessary for the rebirth of the soul. And for anyone who's listening that, you know, is going through um, the difficult time of losing somebody, 
to remind yourself of that, that it's, you know, the soul is still out there and, and they're still around you watching and, and caring. What do you feel you would like to let the listeners know? What message do we most need to hear right now? I think the most important lesson is that times are changing. We're moving out of our old ways and into new ways. We're transitioning into a period of our history where we're starting to let go of old old habits, old techniques. It's a paradigm shift. We don't need to rely on old tools such as fear, um, manipulation, control, judgment. These are survival techniques that have been designed and they're a part of our, our ego but we really don't need that anymore. And if we can all just come together to a place of mutual understanding that we're all one, we're all connected, and that through love we can really reconnect with each other and serve each other. And then, you know, in a more real term, um, or a more real picture, we can, we can co-create and we can live on this planet in, in balance and in harmony with not just our fellow humans, but all, all beings, all souls, all animals, trees, plants, you name it, we're, we're all connected. And, and we always have a choice in how we respond in a situation. And it's in that response that we can really see for ourselves if we are truly coming from a place of love or if we're coming from a place of fear. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the program today, for sharing your gift and your messages. How can listeners connect with you? They can find me at my website, stephaniebanks.org. You can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the social media. And my book I have for sale on my website, stephaniebanks.org, or on all of the big online stores such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and bubble or crest. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. It was fun, wasn't it? Thank you, Stephanie. Um, that was Stephanie Banks. Her new book is A Soulful Awakening, and you can find out more about Stephanie and her work at stephaniebanks.org. And of course, I'd love to get your feedback on this show. I'd love to get your suggestions for who you'd like to hear in conversation with me as we move into the next few months. You can reach me always through my website at karenhager.com. That's also a great place to find out how you can connect with me for classes, find out about upcoming events. I'm coming back to San Francisco, all kinds of good stuff going on. That's all at karenhager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.